Hello and welcome back to the Left and Earl podcast. I'm Eli Herman out here in Napa, California. And uh, I've got Leffy Crawford in beautiful Austin, Texas. Left, what's happening? Good afternoon, Mr. Herman. Thank you for having me again. This is uh, Friday fun day, I guess. A little uh, little banter on a Friday. Okay, I think we, I think uh, we got a lot of to- lot to talk about. We do. We've had a couple basketball games since our last conversation too. Um, game one in the Eastern Conference Finals, and then a uh, little game two action out here out west in the Western Conference Finals. So looking forward to jumping into to both of those games. Uh, let's start out east. What do you say? Okay. Okay. So that game, uh, we got the Raptor game one of the Raptors versus the Bucks. Uh, the Bucks squeaked it out, I think, by an eight-point victory. And that's unfortunate because the Raptors were, le- were leading three quarters of that game. But shooting, shooting got it dried up for them. And we talked about this before. The Bucks have so much length. They made uh, Kawhi Leonard an inefficient shooter. And, and Siakam, weird enough, uh, Kyle Lowry went out there and put up 30 points in a losing effort. And what's unfortunate is the Raptors are going to need 30 from Kyle, 30 from Kawhi, and you know, Gasol and uh, Siakam to show up for them to compete. On the flip side, the Bucks were playing kind of pedestrian. They'd been, I, I'm going to go with the rust versus the rest. They had been off for a little over a week. Uh, Giannis was, you know, getting contested in the lane. But they were saved by a Lopez brother dropping threes. 29 points from which, – which Lopez is this? I don't know. Brooke? 29 points from Brooke Lopez? It, it, yeah, the other one I think is Sideshow Bob. That's the only way you can tell them apart with the hair. But I don't, I don't think it's it's uh, the former Blazer, Robin. This is Brooke, and he was dropping. His jumper was wet, and he's been bombing threes all year. Actually, the last couple of years, and he's making. You know, he's making about three and a half million dollars this year. Oh wow! They're getting, they're getting him on the cheap. You want to talk about? You want to talk about good value? That's good value. Um, but yeah, that. You know, that game, the Raptors were in complete control in the first half. And it just felt, as you watched it slip away and the Bucks come on in the second half, it just felt like the Raptors game to steal. And, uh, you know, the, the old um, rest versus rust debate, the Bucks disposed of the Celtics pretty quickly. And so they had a few days off. And you see it so many times in that first half. They were a little sluggish. Uh, the Raptors came out swinging. And the Raptors just really controlled that first half. And um, to see what happened in the second half and that game slip away, I think it's a sign of things to come because you got to be able to steal one on the road. Well, they're playing again tonight. And I think we're going to see a more engaged Raptors team. I, you know, I think that everybody's going to show up. I think they know that they let one slip. And I think they're fortunate that it was game one that they had kind of that learning experience. If this was happening in game two, you know, heading back to Toronto, I'd, I'd say the chances are definitely slipping away. It's no, it's no secret that the Bucks are the best team in the East. You know, the record shows that they were the best team in the NBA this year as far as um, having success. The Raptors, if they stay healthy, I think they can make this the second game uh, a close one. Actually, you know, hold, hold the lead. That, they had a double-digit lead. I think they hold on to it, and uh, they tie the, season, the series up going back to Toronto where we know how people play in, in Canada uh, or how the Raptors play in Canada, the, their fan base is, you know, it's the only basketball team they have in the country. So their fan base is really raucous. I think that if they can tie this up, 
um, we'll have a series on our hands. Is your boy Drake going to be sitting uh, courtside? Oh, that's my boy Drake. Thank you. Thank you for that. I think these teams are evenly matched. Um, tonight will be a big game, similar to the Western Conference Finals. Um, game two, I think, is a big game. Uh, who coined the phrase, uh, the series doesn't start until the road team wins? I think that was maybe Pat, Pat Riley a couple decades ago. But it's Very true. Um, you know, uh, the Bucks took care of, of business in game one, came back in that second half. And uh, it's up to the Raptors to try to steal a game uh, two on the road and then head back to um, Toronto to, to try to do some damage. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, what were your thoughts on the Kawhi and uh, Giannis matchup? Um, I don't know that it was really a matchup. I thought I was going to say the Bucks defense is really, you know, their length is a problem. If you're watching these guys, everybody's out there with real long arms, six, eight, you know, all the way up to Brooke Lopez, who's a seven-footer. It, it, they couldn't get any kind of clean shots off. Um, only person able to create their own shot was uh, Kyle Lowry. That's why he had the game he had. Kawhi was just – Your boy. Once again, not my boy. <laughs> Your guy. Uh, Kawhi was in there trying to get the, the two points in the, in the paint, and he was getting eaten, swallowed up. And I, I, I'm scared if, if, he, if he thinks he's going to get the two points that way. I think he needs to back up, you know, five to six feet, uh, get him with that the killer mid-range he has. Um, but maybe it was game seven. Maybe game seven took a little too much out of them. Um, they needed a little extra rest before they, hit the, before they got on the road for, for the ECF. I think they went right from um, Philly – Oh, right from yeah, right from Philly to to Milwaukee. No time to no time to waste. I, I wish them luck. I think they can do it, but the, the Bucks defense is just it's it's tight. Yeah, they're they the Bucks are just what you said. They are long. They are deep. They're athletic. That's going to be a tough matchup in the finals for either Portland or the the Warriors. And the Warriors have struggled with teams that are long. I'll throw one at you right now. How do you think both of these teams, either team, would fare against um, the LeBron-led Cavs of the last couple of years? Let's say last year's Cavs. Because to me, well, both of these teams beat the Cavs pretty com comfortably. But there was always, obviously, the, the LeBron factor. Where, where are you at on that? Great question. Um, the, I think both these teams are better than the LeBron Cavs, or the past two years of LeBron Cavs. I do not – think that they would beat them the LeBron factor I, I think it's real I think we saw it last season when he went seven games against Indiana and then made quick work of Toronto but you know, to Kawhi your point, changes everything Kawhi, Kawhi changes everything Kawhi is not DeMar DeRozan who actually disappeared last year in the playoffs and which is why he was kind of kind of easy for them to jettison as well as Dwayne Case of the coach I'd say I'd say that LeBron's team would still take them. I, I think it would be a series, you know, the series that we're seeing. But there's no that the Bucks have gotten, you know, extremely better, and uh, Toronto is, you know, leaps and bounds better with the switch of Kawhi um, from Demar and also picking up uh, Gasol. I think these teams are just much more talented than those Cavs teams the last couple of years. Um, now, when K Kyrie was still on the Cavs and they had Kevin Love and they were healthy with Tristan Thompson playing well, that might have been a different story. It's just it's fascinating to think about because so many of these Eastern Conference teams um, seem like they were kind of 
afraid of LeBron. And, and there was that, that was a real factor in, in a lot of these matchups. And so I think it is good timing for him, though, to, to be in the West, because I think both these teams would have beat him. You know, you bring up an interesting fact with the, the talents around the teams that LeBron had last year. You take a look at the team he had last year, and he had Rodney Hood, who's balling out for the Blazers right now. Blazers wouldn't be where they are in the in the uh, Western Conference Finals without uh, Rodney Hood's contributions. George Hill, he's on um, the Bucks right now. Uh, I mean, Bucks would have won regardless. He's a nice I think piece. There's somebody, I think there's somebody else who was on that. You know, part of that big Cavs crazy acquisition they did before the All Star break, who are all playing quality minutes for their respective teams and helping them. You know, uh, try and win in these playoffs. So it's interesting to say about the talent because all those guys have. Uh, have dispersed and are, you know, key pieces to some of these other playoff teams. And LeBron is shooting movies in LA. How about that? (laughs) So that, so Rodney Hood is a good segue to last night's game. We had a game in the Western conference um, between the Warriors and the Blazers and uh, Rodney Hood, by the way, has been one of the Blazers best players. Um, No doubt doubt. about it. He, he can score. You can tell he's comfortable. Uh, There's a right mix of guys on this team and, um, he can make plays. He's one of the few guys on this Blazers roster that give give the Warriors some problems when it comes to creating his own shot. Um, so the Warriors pulled it out last night. Uh, they're up 2-0 in the series. This reminds me of game one in the Eastern Conference Finals with the Raptors. Uh, similar situation with the Blazers. Uh, this was their game to take. Um, they flat out outplayed the Warriors um, in every way in the first half. I think they were up by 15 in the first half. C.J. McCollum really got off in that first half. Everything was tighter for them. They played with more force. They did everything they had to do. And I was concerned at halftime. Um, And then it all fell apart in the second half. And you just walked away from that one saying to yourself, they had to have that game if uh, they were going to make this a series. What did you think of uh, game two on the Western Western Conference side? Um, I thought it was a great basketball game. Uh, going back to what our predictions were around game one and, you know, kind of the little brother. Well, I think the Blazers you know, kind of took, they have that mentality and they took that to heart and they came out swinging and, you know, they, they, they went into halftime up 15. I think they got the lead up to 17 at one point, but you know how the Warriors are in, you know, the third quarter historically when they're running these other death lineup or the before, you know, before KD, they would just swallow up teams and that's what happened. You saw that in, in the third quarter. Uh, they started making shots, and all of a sudden, that uh, seven, 15-point lead was down to three, then down to two. And then the Warriors you know, took the lead for a second. Now, what's crazy was that the Blazers then started to play some playoff basketball, and they started, you know, both teams started jabbing back and forth. I think Steph went off for a 38 points, maybe Clay for a 29. Um, Draymond flirting with another triple-double. Um, maybe even a quadruple double because he was, he was everywhere. I thought that both teams um, know they, they're really familiar with each other. Um, but we, I don't think we saw what we needed to see from, uh, from Dame Lillard. And then, you know, when it got, when it came crunch time, the Blazers just couldn't manufacture points. Uh, they were, they were up by eight with four minutes left. And over the last four minutes, they scored three points. I think that was from, from three free throws. Uh, if you want to win playoff basketball game, if you want to win playoff basketball game versus any championship team, and the Warriors have proven to be that, you got to have people who can get you buckets. And the Warriors either 
took away the, the Blazers' ability to get buckets or, you know, experience matters. And Blazers haven't been here in a long time. Warriors have been here the past five years. They know what to do. And like you said, Blazers had that. And I think, I think they feel like the Warriors kind of stole it. Yeah, you got to be able to have buckets. I thought Dame was pretty pedestrian last night. Um, I, I, you know, I'm just getting the feeling that they need more from him. He's got to be more aggressive. Um, CJ went cold. Uh, he was brilliant, though. You know, what's funny about CJ is every time he shoots, he's one of those guys that I think it's going to go in. He's so good. Um, he had a great first half, but uh, things dried up. We see that in, in playoff games. Fatigue, good defense. I mean, the Warriors really strangle you when the game's on the line with um, guys like Clay and Iguodala and Draymond. Draymond's playing out of his mind. So, um, you know, there's there's a side of this where you let the Warriors back in the game. They're at home. Um, they know that Portland was desperate and didn't want to go down 0-2. And they hung around. And in the end, they just know how to win these games because of their experience. And that's kind of what happened last night. Um, and that was a huge, huge game. So um, one thing that I wanted to bring up to you, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, how, you know, we have all these conversations about hoops. I think the biggest difference maker, or at least MVP of the game last night, was Draymond Green. Even though, you know, uh, Steph was, was phenomenal, uh, Draymond was everywhere. And I, I think he assisted or scored on every possession in the last, in the final five minutes for the Warriors, which is just saying he, like I said, he was MVP of the game. He's this, he's this great tool that they have on defense and offense and, you know, running that, um, that point forward. Uh, well, I don't know what position he plays anymore, position is basketball, but running that kind of point forward where the big is taking the ball down, who has, who has great court vision and can make these insane passes. Draymond's been a beast, and it's good to hear you admit that he's been a beast because this is one of our uh, topics we like to go back and forth on. But about a month ago, uh, Bob Myers, the Warriors GM, sat down with Draymond, and they're, they're real close, um, have a good relationship. And ultimately what Bob wanted to talk to him about, and this might have been a m couple months ago, was um, he thought Draymond had to get into better shape. And before he could bring it up to Draymond um, – Draymond Green told him that he needed to get in better shape. And so he beat Bob Myers to the punch. So he knew that it was time to go and he lost 20 pounds and you can just see it. He looks, he looks real good, looks real lean. You can see it in his face. Um, and he's moving so well. He's got energy to, to guard bigger guys, which is so critical in this small lineup that they go to. And he's been everywhere. He's just been, I, I think he's been the best player in the series and, and, if you look at the stat line, Steph Curry is putting up some huge numbers. So um, Draymond Green makes it all go for the Warriors. Um, Iguodala wasn't bad down the stretch either on defense huh? on that last play I mean, against yeah, Lillard. I mean, he fouled him, but whatever. You can't leave that one in the ref's hands. Yeah, um, we should talk about that. You think that was a foul? I think no, it wasn't a shooting foul. A little but hand checking. I think it was a lot. It was a lot of little hand checking. You watch it. They, they were doing some kind of some kind of MMA on the ball, but. You know, he ended up getting the ball away clean. You know, it was smart. He got the ball away before Dame could even try and get the shot up. If Dame tries to get the shot up, Iggy's, you know, maybe makes contact. He gets, a, gets him with the lean. Now that's a three-point shot. You know, go to the line. Uh, we have a, another buzzer beater type of situation or even going to extra basketball. But, you know, Andre Gudala, finals MVP from a few years ago, 
for the way he plays defense. I mean, you're he he is he is the fourth quarter defensive asset, uh, complementary to Draymond that really make the Warriors a problem for a lot of other teams out in the stretch. His ability to strip the ball without fouling is just the best I've ever seen. I see him do it over and over, and and that was definitely a clean strip. Um, you know, one of the things that came to mind um, about the Warriors and kind of playing small, the Blazers really want Anis Cantor to be on the floor for a variety of reasons. Nurkic went down. They want some scoring punch down low. Um, Cantor can score. He's skilled um, as far as, you know, in the paint from a scoring perspective. He's a really good rebounder, specifically offensive rebounder, an elite offensive rebounder. So he brings some things to the table. He's been starting for them, had a real good series against Denver. Um, game one, he was an absolute disaster on defense. He, he couldn't get out and show, come up and um, on the pick and roll and, and really contest those Curry shots. And Curry obviously went off like we talked about on the last podcast. And the Warriors really chased him off the floor. Uh, Terry Stotts decided not to play Cantor at all and went completely away from him. And I thought Myers Leonard, who can play on the perimeter a little bit more, a little bit more athletic, likes to likes to step out on a pick and pop and hit a three every now and then and he can really help out on the pick and roll defense <clears throat> I thought Myers Leonard's, Leonard was really good for Portland last night and what's interesting over the last five years with the Warriors is everyone knows about the death lineup the Hamp- Hamptons five um, Draymond's able to guard fives and that makes it all work but they go small the Warriors and what's interesting about that to me is no team has, has countered that with going real big against them. Teams try to counter it with going small, and we've seen teams kind of catch up to them over the last couple of years, and, and that's why the margin between the field and the Warriors has, has gotten smaller. Uh, teams like Houston are building their team um, to match up with that death lineup, the Hamptons Five, um, and going small. Why don't you think teams – are trying to counter it with the opposite and put a bunch of big guys out there to just hammer the Warriors on the glass and, you know, dump it into the post. Um, it's kind of a fascinating thing to think about. The Warriors are always well, able to dictate. Yeah, you're, you're right. They over the, but over, over the past you know, five or 10 years, we haven't really had uh, a big class of, of dominant bigs who you feel comfortable enough putting the ball in their hands in the stretch. Probably part of it. Uh, I think yeah. the last one, the last one we probably saw was was Marcus Stahl. Obviously, he's getting older, older in age. Uh, you know, there's, there's a young class of bigs that are coming out. You know, how I like to say the bigs are back, but they're not making it to this this stage of the playoffs. Um, but over the past, I'd say over the past ten years, we we haven't seen just a dominating big who has the footwork. Is getting obviously getting down late in the playoffs to to showcase that stuff at a national level, um, and it's it's almost a lost art. I mean, if you if you if you watch Shaq on the on the TNT boys, he he just said everybody should be barbecue chicken, but there's nobody out there who has the barbecue chicken skill. Um, you know, bigs are starting to stretch out. You know, Kevin Love was Kevin Love, Chris Bosh are kind of the the advent uh, the advance of of the of the shooting big. And over the past six seven years, bigs, fours, the good ones, the all stars are all being able to shoot and take that stuff out of the paint. And they're losing their their ability to handle the ball in in crunch time. It's a lost art, and yeah. people are scared. Also, people got scared of what the Warriors can do with the death the three ball the death lineup the, with the speed. You know, if you get somebody, if you get the Warriors out in the break, doesn't matter who you have out there, big or small, you're not going to catch them. And if they're doing these uh, 
you know, threes in the break or just beyond the logo threes in the break, that's just going to, the, the coach is going to call timeout and try and get matchups that are going to eliminate that. And that there goes your bigs. There's no more bigs in, in the lineup. Yeah. You bring up some great points and I think it's, it's kind of a multifaceted answer if you think about it. Um, first off there have, there haven't the last 15 years or so been great bigs in the league um, where you can really punish a smaller team down low. That's number one. Number two, I think the three point shot and the efficiency at the three point line has changed things a little bit, which I'll get to in a second. Um, and number three, you really have to have the personnel, a guy like PJ Tucker, a guy like Draymond Green, who are smaller guys who can play, um, you know, fast break basketball and good passers who can hold their own against bigger players. Not everyone has that personnel, but I really think it, it comes down to the three point shot because what you see in the playoffs and why teams counter the Warriors small lineup with a small lineup versus going big is if you have a big in the game, like say Joel Embiid, he's a matchup problem for the Warriors on the other end, of course, because he's just so big and so skilled. But what are the Warriors going to do to you? They're going to run a one-five pick and roll, and they're going to get <laughs> they're going to get Embiid switched on Steph Curry, and you know it's it's pure mathematics from there if the Warriors are hitting threes. And so I think the three-point shot has has changed things quite a bit, and that's an example of you know why teams don't go big to counter twos don't beat threes. No, you, you bring up a very good point. Um, I think the Warriors are actually also in the benefit of having uh, Clay and Steph, two of the top five sh- uh, three-point shooters right. in history. And so they make, you know, you said it's mathematics. It's so they make the math work. Yep. They make the math work where other teams can try this, but they don't have a Steph or, or a Clay who are, you know, arguably, like I said, top five three-point shooters of all time. So it's interesting. I don't – nobody. so that's why nobody can really counter it unless they get better shooters. And then you'll see something – kind of swallow up. Uh, great point, though. Um, speaking what? of Curry. Yeah. Speaking of Curry. What, the the Curry brothers. Curry who played last in the Curry brothers. I'm taking a look at the stat line. Looks like, you know, Seth coming off the bench. He was at 29 minutes, 16 points. So Kyle turned to me um, in the second half when Seth was kind of going off and playing well, and he goes, he goes, this is great. I'm, I'm rooting for Seth. And I'm like, the fuck you are rooting for Seth. He's on the other team. Yeah, he's a Curry, and he's a nice guy, and he's kind of, you know, struggled to find his way in the NBA. That's all nice and everything, but this is playoff basketball, dude, and he's on the other team. So I went off on him a little bit. But just, you know, there, there are things that happen in sports. Um, I always say that you know, regardless of if a great player is on my team or not, you know, you take a look at a guy like Kobe Bryant or um, any great player, um, you have to appreciate as a sports fan greatness. And there's other things outside of watching great players and great performances. And, you know, Sonia and Dell are sitting in the stands and watching their two sons play in the Western Conference Finals against each other. And not only playing against each other, but um, both playing at a high level and their key pieces in this crucial game, too, in the Western Conference Finals. Can you imagine? I mean, they interviewed Dell during the game and Sonia was in the, in the background. She was so stressed. And I was just thinking about that from as a parent. Can you imagine sitting there and, and experiencing this? Um, I mean, it's it's pretty incredible. And it's something that's remarkable um, that both of these brothers are playing against each other in the Western Conference Finals. But now that we're both parents, I mean, can you imagine sitting there and watching your kids play against each other and, and just all the dynamics associated with that? Well, and especially a sport like basketball where there's so much emotional swing, um, 
every, they can, you know, one, one brother can make a shot and the next projection, the next brother can make a shot. Who are you cheering for? You know, you can see um, on Dell's face that like he was caught up in the moment, not knowing who to root for, putting his hands on his head, you know, saying, oh, my God. You know, watching this, watching Seth, Seth hit some some clutch threes. Like he the, was huge last the Warriors night. momentum. Huge, and, and he picked and, his brother a couple times too. And and he did. Oh yeah. The look on Seth's I mean, face it, was like, you know, he's so conflicted. You can see. Yeah, it's a great it's a great dynamic. It's great to watch. I'm sure it's the most nerve wracking thing ever for for uh, Sonia and Dell. But you know, we're seeing this like brothers like, and, and I mean the Currys are one thing. You have the holidays. You have the Morris twins. Yeah, it, these you know you have you have I guess always have an opponent to practice on, and you didn't think that Steph got the way he did just by playing by himself. No, there was somebody there younger pushing him who you know, has just as much skill, just hasn't had the the opportunity to shine like that. Yep. And you know, like kudos to Kyle for pointing that out because it you can easily fall for Seth, especially with the the shine that. Steph's got over the past six, seven years and watching Seth start to come out in his own in the Western conference finals against his brother. I mean, I'll watch, I'll watch these games just for that. It's, it's fascinating. It really is. And you saw Dell's Jersey. He had, it's, it's the, they got the, the Warriors on the front blazers on the back, which is pretty funny. He had that custom made, I'm sure. But um, apparently Aisha, who, as you know, has a bunch of restaurants, she's a chef. She invited, um, Seth over before game one for dinner and he declined. So, you know, there's not only the family side of this, but these guys are competitors. And I just think it's fascinating. You know, basketball is, there's only 12 guys on a team. These are the best players in the world. I think it's fascinating. Not only is, is Seth, you know, on the floor, but he was one of the best players. He, he probably was the best player for the Blazers in the second half. And so to see him and, and, Staff go toe to toe was was pretty cool. And you know, you mentioned the Holiday Brothers. Um, I like to mention this on the WhatsApp thread because all the boys know that Drew went to UCLA. Um, there are three Holiday Brothers in the NBA right now. They have three boys, and they all are on NBA rosters. Like, wrap your mind around that. I mean, Drew, Justin, and Aaron. Yeah. Incredible. And then you have the Morris, the Morris twins. And as a parent of twins, that's kind of cool to, to see. Um, can't tell them apart. They always seem to be popping up on different rosters. They're switching, switching jerseys at halftime and messing with people. <laughs> and they really have the exact same game. And um, I mean, it's just cool to see. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, th there are elements of sports above and beyond great performances or teams winning championships that you know, sometimes you just take a step back and, and you embrace, um, you know, what's going on. And, and the family element of the, of the Curry's going toe-to-toe -to -toe is pretty cool. It's, it's great to see. I think we saw something similar to this with uh, the Ravens uh, 49ers Super Bowl, right? Where yeah. you got the brothers the as coaches. Um, I love to see sports or families, sports families. You know, you got the, the, Ryan, the Ryan brothers as coaches. You got uh, the Gruden brothers as coaches. Uh, I love the family dynamic in sports. I mean, you can't have one without like one be good and then the other one not be good. You know, what's also funny about the Curry brothers is um, Steph looks exactly like his mom and Seth looks exactly like his dad. And yeah, they do. My, oh, yeah, my wife caught that last night. They don't even talk alike. So I, I um, there was a, Seth was interviewed after the game 
And I hadn't, I haven't really heard him talk before much. I mean, he hasn't been on the big stage much at all, but I was listening to the interview and he doesn't talk like his brother. He's got a little more, little more hood in him. And, and Steph is, is definitely sounds more like a nerdy white boy. So they're, they're totally different. Kind of funny. Well, you have so. twins. You have twins. Right? So uh, where do we twins. go from where, where do we go from here in both of these series? Uh, we got some big games over the weekend. Where do you, where do you see both um, Eastern Conference and Western Conference Finals going from here? Well, I called a gentleman sweep on the Blazers and Warriors. I'm gonna still I'm gonna stick with the gentleman sweep. I think that Pullen's gonna come back and pick one game up, but. It's going to be a little, you know, one game too little, too late, and the Warriors are going to uh, take game four and five. And I think, you know, you talk about game two, game two happening for the Bucks and the Raptors. I think the Raptors are going to answer the, answer the bell, but I still think that's going to be a gentleman sweep. Was well, we man? That's tough. That's tough. As we wrap this up, I got one question for you. Are we going to get the proverbial Scott selfie from game three at the Moda Center in Portland? Because he's been pretty quiet. He's real careful about being quiet about all this. He's got the whole family dressed up for road games. Is he going to drop that selfie on us from the Moda Center in game three, drop about $800 a ticket and make this happen? Uh, I'm going to say yes on that one. That's happening. I think he might be there. My, my brother-in-law, Ken's going to be sitting courtside. I don't know. He, he knows everyone in, in the city of Portland. So he was working all of his channels, and he's sitting courtside. So huge game three, big game two tonight. Left, as always, it was good catching up with you, brother. Hey, man, you have yourself a great weekend. We will be talking about these games. Until next time.